Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Merry Christmas. We're looking back at some of our important conversations this past year. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Twelve days of Christmas. Yes, really. Not just a day, but twelve days. And we're in the midst of Christmas tide right now. Good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. And I know that there's a lot of uh, controversy, controversy or debate about whether or not um, the Twelve Days of Christmas song was really developed as an opportunity for people who were under persecution to be able to speak the truth um, in ways that was kind of hidden from the rest of the world. But here's the reality. It's actually a great way to teach kids. Um, kids love to sing. They love um, they love music. And they also love secret coded things. And so even if, even if it's not the case that this was a coded message in the day, you can use it as a coded message today. So the partridge in the pear tree represents Jesus, the son of God whose birthday we celebrate on the first day of Christmas. Um, Two turtle doves, you could think of as the Old and the New Testaments. Three French hens represent faith, hope, and love, or they could represent the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Four calling birds could represent the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Five gold rings could represent the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Torah or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. How about six geese a-laying? Well, hmm, um, how about the six days of creation when God, you know, hatched the world? Seven swans a-swimming? We could think of as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, compassion. Eight maids a-milking. Maybe here we could think about the Beatitudes listed in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 10. The nine ladies dancing could be uh, the fruit of the Spirit, unpacked for us in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And how about ten lords a-leaping? Well, I guess ten. What what what, what comes to mind when I say hmm, a list of ten? Um, maybe the Ten Commandments. Eleven pipers piping could be the eleven faithful disciples leaving Judas off the list. And then twelve drummers drumming. Well... Maybe the Apostles' Creed, because that would give you an opportunity to talk about what we believe. There are um, 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed, and that's a a good marker for the 12th day of Christmas. Also, the 12th day of Christmas, um, Epiphany. And so there you go. That might be a way to take the song and use it as a teaching tool, a conversation tool, with a younger disciple, somebody who is just learning the things of the faith. So there you go. Now for a very special treat. The very best book that I read in 2023, outside of the Bible itself, is a novel called Once You See. And we had Jeff Christofferson on the show a number of times to walk us through the seven temptations of the Western church that he addresses in the story. 
And so today um, we are offering those conversations back in this best of series. So um, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I hardly know where to begin, and so I might talk faster during this segment than I normally talk, and so you'll have to slow it down when you listen to it, um, you know, on repeat, because you're going to want to take notes. Jeff Christofferson is with us. Um, He is, among other things, the author of Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church, and I'm going to leave it right there. He is the executive director of the Canadian National Baptist Convention and the executive director of Church Planting Canada. He's also the co-founder and missiologist of the Church Multiplication Institute, which is a lot to say. And let me just say, he's been there and he's seen it and he's bringing us a vision of it. Welcome, Jeff, to Mornings with Carmen. Well, it's great to be with you, Carmen. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so um, first, let me just say thank you. Um, And I'll leave it right there for just a moment. It is really difficult to summarize a novel And so let's start with that. Um, Why a novel? Because you certainly could have laid this out um, in sort of the the form of a book for church leaders, you know, a pattern to follow, an analysis to uh, to embark upon. Um, Why a novel? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, you see, I've written on this stuff, you know, these ideas before, as have others, and. and I think a lot of people will give intellectual assent, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think you're right on all those things. And yet the needle doesn't seem to be moving. In fact, we continue to dig deeper into our, our ruts or our patterns. And uh, and so I just really felt like people needed to um, get a picture of what this looks like and the consequences of missing it and um, uh, have a have an emotional reaction to the ideas that we're talking about. And so that's why I wrote it in a narrative, and I, I'm, I'm following the pattern of Jesus. So I'm in, a, I'm in good company here. Yeah, the storytelling format is, is very provocative. I also think it enables me to invite people who might not other, otherwise engage in this kind of material. Um, right. This is a way for me to invite them into basically like a book club, um, the discussion guide is is the meat. Let me just go ahead and tell people that. Um, it's obviously at the end, and you don't even want to read the discussion guide before you read the book. You just want to read the novel. And let me just say this. You want to read this. Um, if you're my people and you get me, if you track with me, this is the book you want to read. Um, once you see Seven Temptations of the Western Church, we do have digital copies to give away today. You know how this works. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. If you are Anne or Bob or Mary Rose or Lori, you like have to text in right now because this is your book. This is the one you've been waiting for. <laughs> um, like I, I already know as I was reading this, I'm like, I know a person in Wisconsin. I know a person in Connecticut. I know a person in the Twin Cities. I know, like, I know people who have been longing for what you describe in Once You See. So Mm -hmm. text the word book to 877-933-2484. Jeff, what, um, I mean, maybe as simply as you can, um, cast the vision. Yeah, well, I mean, there's these seven temptations are, are, ideas that I think we we struggle with. Um, 
I start with a, a picture of what I call philosophicalism, which is this temptation of a hypothetical faith. It's a faith that is in our between our ears, but it's not really a faith we obey. And um, and in the word belief in the New Testament, it's always been a verb. We we don't own a faith; we do a faith. And so we don't own a belief; we do a belief. So we start with that idea, and then we look at a. a uh, idea that we're stumbling on that I just call professionalism, and that is this temptation of excellence. And um, and this this is idea that really rips off the priest the priesthood of every believer and limits it to personal spiritual access. Like I can I can have access to the Father in prayer, but the idea of of the peace priesthood of all believers is far more than just you know my personal spiritual access. It is God wants to really work through my life. And um, and far more than the little jobs sometimes we get in church. Um, the third one is what I just call presentationalism, and that is the the temptation of a crowd. And this speaks to the body of Christ morphing kind of primarily into a worship service. When we think of the church, we think of a worship service, and that was never uh, first, second, third century understanding of the church. And so we uh, we kind of have to deal with that one then. I speak of one a temptation I just call passivism, and that is the temptation of comfort. We're passive, and and we we have religious preferences, and that we're, our religious preferences trump the mission that Jesus has for His church. That search and rescue mission that was always His idea for His church, and so we uh, we kind of say, "I like this kind of church," or "I like that kind of church," and we 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 um, we kind of put our preferences as the highest value. The fifth big idea is is the temptation of competition. And uh, and our churches compete with one another. Local brand advancement outranks the greater kingdom revelation that God has always intended for his church. And uh, and these these ideas of local churches being autonomous and competing it, it somehow misses, uh, I think, the picture of what Christ had for his church. And we see that in John 17 pretty clearly. Um, the sixth and second to last of the seventh is what I just call partisanism. And um, and that is the temptation of Caesar, that we have secondary earthly lawyer loyalties, and they emerge dominant over our kingdom allegiance. And, um, and so... Uh, we we make our politics and many other things more important than our allegiance to Jesus Christ, and uh, and we allow them that, and we've seen that in spades recently. Finally, um, what I call is the, the last one. They all start with a P, and that is paternalism, and that is this temptation of power, and and that just speaks to the hubris of our Western cultural superiority of the global church. We think somehow we have it right. But actually, if you see where the gospel is moving in this world right now, it isn't in the West. Um, God, There's more Christians in the world right now than there's ever been. And they're, they're in other places and in many places um, experiencing intense persecution, yet they're being faithful to Christ. And so uh, we have a lot to learn from the global church. And that I think this is the moment the Western church needs to to stop being a teacher and start being a learner. So that's the big ideas. It's so great. We're talking with Jeff Christofferson, um, and you can immediately see and recognize how he could have laid that out in um, in what we might describe as sort of a 
lecture didactic manner in a, quote, nonfiction church leadership book, church examination book. Instead, it's captured, all of that is captured in a novel, in a story that is, it's fantastic. Um, It even has like cliffhangers. So once you see Seven Temptations of the Western Church, it is a novel. Jeff Christofferson is the author. We are giving away digital copies today. To enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I don't mind telling you um, as you're listening right now, I'm I'm buying them in bulk um, because I actually like want... I want to not just give them to people. I want to invite people to read and explore these ideas with me, which I suspect, Jeff, is precisely what you have in mind. Yeah, and that's what that's what I'm very grateful to see happening. Uh, it's like one. Of, it's a book that um, I wrote during COVID. <laughs> I had a little more time, and um, and and to see there's actually groups of people. Some people are buying this hundreds at a time. And uh, they're and they're using it in their their churches and different different kind of groups. And uh, now, can we pause there it, for just a second? Because yeah. let's you and I are going to both be really honest. If yeah. I buy a hundred copies of this and give it out, there might be there might be ten people who get it. Well, am maybe. I, uh, am I? I mean, I guess it depends who the hundred people are that I give it to. But I I do want people to recognize that although I think everyone will track through the first five, once we get to competition and we start talking about interdependence, once we start having a conversation about partisanism and in the culture today, even among Christians, Mm. maybe predominantly among Christians, we're talking about kingdom allegiance, big K versus allegiance to party or nation. Like you, and then, yeah. And then we get to paternalism. I got to tell you, Jeff, I know people who will absolutely immediately in the face of those put up stop signs. Yeah, no, for sure. So and, uh, I guess I guess after you read it, be discerning who you share it with because you're going <laughs> to, um, you might be meeting in secret with them um, and that's not behind anybody's backs. That's so it can become who you are before you're um, sort of under attack for it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think you see if you if you look at that discussion guide, it, it sort of comes in three parts. It's like unlearning, relearning, but before the relearning is a is a is a middle part, and that is metanoia, repentance, new mind, mm-hmm. and um, and we have to have a, a, a new optics. Our, in fact, our old mind has to be blown away, and the only way it gets blown away is something way better in its place, and so. Um, we don't really repent unless we really believe there's something better as an option. And, uh, and so I, that's, that's my hope is real metanoia, real new thinking can happen between the unlearning and the relearning. And I think that's the point where, where God does his best work. It's so good. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Christofferson. The book is Once You See Seven Temptations of the Western Church. It is a novel um, I read it in almost one sitting. It is so fantastic. It moves very quickly, and you absolutely want to know what happens at the end. You are engaged. You love these people. You fall in love with what God's doing, um, and you can't wait to see what's next. Uh, and so it has this wonderful kingdom anticipatory movement to it as well. We are giving away copies today. To enter that drawing, you can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. More with Jeff in just a moment. TikTok. 
Yeah, TikTok is an app, but TikTok is also the reality of the year winding down to the end. So we're making lists. We're checking them twice. Things done, things left undone, gifts given, gifts we still need to buy. Would you help us with a gift before the end of the year? Time is ticking away, and this ministry is not possible without you. So I'm wondering if before the end of the year, you would make your best tax-deductible gift to support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps the good news in front of more people, everywhere, all the time, anywhere, accessible through the Faith Radio app and at MyFaithRadio.com. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or by giving today at MyFaithRadio.com. TikTok. All right, if I sound excited this morning, which some of you are commenting on the text line, Carmen, you sound really excited about this. Okay, this is because I have seen, and yet I confess, I've been sort of lured back in by the pattern and by the rhythm and by the this is how we do it. And you know what? I'm a kingdom person. And I want to see the kingdom advanced always and in all ways. And um, this novel, Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church, um, like reminds me of a new wineskins movement that I was a part of in like 2000. It reminds me of a Young Life community that I experienced in college. And you guys know me. I'm a grandma now. So, you know, we're talking about some years. I've seen it. I've tasted it. And yet I haven't invested in cultivating it in an intentional way beyond the rhythms of what I'll just describe as sort of regular patterns of church. And so I'm here to confess that I'm captivated. I'm reminded this is who I am and how I want to live. Um, This is missional church for those of you who are familiar with that language. This is experiencing God for those of you who are familiar with that language for people who know those things, Jeff, um, this is this is the book that's going to help them not only reignite that passion and vision and experience in their own walk of faith, but share it with others in this generation. Well, it's interesting, uh, Carmen. Henry Blackaby was my pastor growing up as a kid in Saskatchewan. And so that's interesting it, you put it, that he together. It infected you. It infected you. It's good. <laughs> it's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... Um, what is a Jesus movement? I think that that might help people to understand what is a Jesus movement and what might happen if each and every Jesus person was actually catalyzed and became part of a Jesus movement. Well, yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Um, when you see the first three job. centuries, hey, just so that you know, that is my job <laughs> okay. to come up with great questions. This is all because I know how that- to do. Yeah. The uh, first three centuries of of Christianity was, you know, we can look at it, and, and, and it was incredible. It was the persecuted people um, on mission, and church wasn't like we were thinking. They were they were actually following the patterns of Jesus. And if, if you look at the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call the Gospels. Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven eighty six times. He uses or mentions the word church two times. And um, and we we actually flip things around. We we say church eighty six times, and we say kingdom two times, and we usually even say it in the wrong context in many ways. But um, when the church becomes the goal, um, the church becomes a powerless, idolatrous kind of thing. 
But when the kingdom of God is the goal, the church becomes this open-handed, um, give-yourself-away, powerful Jesus movement. And um, and so you look at Romans 16, you see Paul writing, uh, greet so-and-so, and it's a whole list of people. And you realize that Paul has never been to Rome. But this movement has has ordinary people have gone everywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, and so it is the pattern. It is the normality of the New Testament. The the idea of a kind of institutionalized church where we gather together and we, you know, we 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 come we compare numbers. How many did you have on Sunday? Uh, how's the budget? You know, Nichols knows all the metrics that we often talk about. It would it would be I, I just try to imagine what the first through third century would have thought about our metrics, and um, I think it would be it would be a disappointing day <laughs> for for the uh, those who gave their lives up uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so that's what we see around the world. Actually, we see movements happening. I was in Thessaloniki, Greece, just before the pandemic, with eighty six countries church planning movements in eighty six countries. And uh, and that was what was in common with all of them is is they weren't really thinking about how sustainability they were thinking about the gospel how do we give ourselves away and get the gospel out and uh, and their transformed lives were were First Peter three fifteen they were they were evidence they were like can openers people trying to open them up and see what is this hope of the gospel that you have and they were living with regular people and uh, and and all of a sudden you know people are noticing that the Christ they follow is is not just their religion but it is their life and um and it just makes all the difference in the world we're talking with Jeff Christofferson the book is once you see seven temptations of the western church it is a novel um Jeff we are not going to get through all of this today so I'll just tell you right now you have to come back is that okay I'd love to Okay, it's because I started dog-earing the pages at 167, um, and and I then I started, like, writing on the pages because, you know, at some point dog-earing is not enough. I started writing on the pages. Let me see where my first little—it uh, looks like—oh, no, I was going to say 295, but it looks like I under, underlined a bunch of stuff starting at 282. And so from there on, like, I have, like, 50 questions outlined for you. So clearly— we're going to um, need to get back together. Um, let, let's close with this. If we were going to send people somewhere for more in terms of learning how to catch a glimpse and maybe even have an immersive experience, um, invite invite folks to movementleadercollective.com. Yeah, Tell I them think what that, that is a... and invite them there. Well, I mean, this is something where leaders, uh, I don't know if this is something where leaders of organizations, so uh, denominations or that are just trying to say, we have to get off dead center that we're in. So that movement leader collective is a, is leaders of movements <laughs> gathering together and uh, sharpening one another. And so I realize that's not for everybody, but I also think that it helps people see the big vision it, even as yeah. each and every one of us is living it out in our own space and time. And so I, I want you to know if you're listening right now, yes, this is absolutely about you and how how Jesus wants to be working and living in and through you, that you as a person of Christ 
would participate in the body of Christ in a way that Jesus can actually walk around in the world that he so loves, that he can continue Mm. to seek and save the lost. That's who we are as members of his body. So I want to get us individually activated, but I also want you to hear me say this is about a really big vision. You're listening to a best of edition of Mornings with Carmen on this day after Christmas. So Merry Christmas again. Once You See is um, the second best book that I read in 2023. Number one is the Bible. And so I'm wondering if you would join me in reading the Bible in 2024. We've got a reading guide posted at MyFaithRadio.com. I'd love it if you would join us in that reading adventure for the new year. Stay tuned for more of my conversation with Jeff Christofferson. That's up next on a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Jeff Christofferson is back. Uh, he is the executive director of the Canadian National Baptist Convention, executive director of Church Planting Canada, uh, co-founder of Church Multiplication Institute, and the author of Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church. It's a novel. I love it. Jeff, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. It's great to be with you again, Carmen. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what you address in a novel way, in the novel, once you see, um, is is real. You know it's real. You've um, experienced it and witnessed it, and we've had testimony to it just this morning on our text line. Um, you know, a, a listener who is really struggling, like, right, they moved a year ago, they found a church they attended, they joined, they're engaged in ministry in the church, um, but never at any point have they had any interaction outside of the physical church building um, mm. with the pastor or anybody else in church leadership. They're just like, you know, nobody even knows who we are, how we live, um, you know, and what's going on in our life. And that's not what they want. They want what you and I both know is possible, but um, isn't isn't the practice or the rhythm in most Western churches. So I want to dig in with you over time to um, what you really address in the novel. And again, it's a great novel. If you haven't read it yet and you want a summer read, well, first of all, it won't take you all summer. Um, You'll read through it pretty quickly. My husband has listened to the audio version of the book. It is excellent. Um, He's He's all on fire now. So the book is Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church. Jeff, um, talk with us about the seven temptations. Like, can you just frame them for us? And then I really want to dig into just, you know, the first one today. But maybe remind us what the seven are. All right. Well, I'll just zip. I'll just zip through them quickly. Um, the first one, Carmen, we what I call is philosophicalism. It speaks to and and interestingly, um, all seven of them are things we celebrate but they're actually things we shouldn't celebrate. <laughs> and um, and so this first one I call a philosophicalism. It's it's a temptation towards a, a hypothetical faith. And, and in it, we would say sometimes like, you know, we're a Bible-believing people, things like that. But we can dig into that later, which really shows perhaps we're not. A second one is, um, is uh, professionalism, and that's a temptation towards excellence. We want to platform the best speaker, the best worship team. We think if we have that, um, we really have a really good Bible-believing solid church. And again, that that's a, a miss. Um, 
there's a a third one I call presentationalism, and that's a temptation of a crowd, and that speaks to the body of Christ morphing primarily into a worship service that exists within the walls, as you just described earlier by that lady. And so um, that's something I think is at, at the core of who we are. And we, we, we talk about, we have an incredible pastor, great worship, you know, that kind of stuff as if it's something that really speaks to health in a church. And I, I think it, it doesn't. Uh, number four uh, is a uh, pacifism and that's the temptation of comfort. We, we really want the church to meet our personal needs, our, our, and my, my, my kind of church. This is what I like a church to be. Da, 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 da. And, uh, and somehow we miss the mission of Christ and why, why he set his church up in the first place. And so, um, that's significant. I think <laughs> the fifth one, I, I just call pragmatism and, and that's the temptation of competition. That's where we speak of, you know, how we're doing our local brand advancement that we have. And that is more important to most of us in church than the greater kingdom revelation of Jesus Christ in our city. And um, and we'll even compete and, and even hurt one another in terms of congregation to congregation uh, in pragmatism. And, and I can't imagine when John, Jesus spoke in John 17, what Jesus thinks of us when we're in the midst of that rancor. Sixth is partisanism. This one gets touchy. It's this temptation of Caesar. And, um, and and it speaks of our, our earthly loyalties that are secondary. They should be secondary, but they become more important in many ways than our primary uh, kingdom allegiance. And so partisanism is something I think that's really hurting the, the testimony of Jesus Christ right now. And then lastly, I, I, it's the temptation of paternalism or the temptation of power, and um, and we in the Western cultural world have sort of superiority over the global church. We want to teach them how it's done stuff. And actually, we need we're in a season right now. It's obvious we're in a season right now where we're not the teachers. We need to be the learners. Mm. And um, and so all seven of those are, I think, playing a significant role to the fact that in all in wherever we go in the West, every country in the West, we're we're losing ground. We're talking with Jeff Christofferson. The book is Once You See. And yes, those of you who are asking, yep, it is available on Audible. Um, it's actually available in lots of formats. So it's a great read. It's also a great listen. Um, the discussion guide in the back is critical in terms of having conversations with others, um, not only about the book, but examining your own experience of um, Christian community today and and putting it up to the mirror of of this conversation. So let's dive into philosophicalism. I mean, when we say we're a Bible-believing people, like, what's wrong with that, Jeff? We are a Bible-believing people. Isn't that a good thing? Well, um, I I would suggest we're not a Bible-believing people. (laughs) And um, I'd suggest that, by and large, we pay intellectual assent theoretically to Scripture. But um, when you look at the word belief in in the New Testament, it doesn't show up as a noun. It doesn't show up as something we own. Um, like, like, what do you believe? And a lot of times some of us will, will hand a, a pamphlet saying, well, here, here's the theology I believe and here are the, you know, the things. And, um, but belief is never a noun in Scripture. It's, it's always a verb. It's not something we, we own. It's something we do. 
Um, James speaks of this, you know, about faith and works. And he, he suggests to us that we prove our faith by what we do. And, um, and so when we see this, this first one, Carmen is the mother of them all. (laughs) If you fix, sometimes you fix one thing, you fix everything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and this, this is one of those that is actually core to, uh, to, I think what's going, what's going wrong with us right now in terms of our, 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 our church experience. So I heard, um, I heard this in seventh grade. And I don't know exactly why I remember that, but I can like see the room I was sitting in when a Sunday school teacher said, um, maybe even wrote it on the board as I'm visualizing this, um, to believe means to live as if, to live as, Mm. and Mm -hmm. took the word believe apart, like to be living in this way. To believe Mm. is to be living in this way. Right. And, um... And so when I think about my system of beliefs, I have to put a mirror of my own behavior up to that. And if what I say I believe is not then walked out in acts of real faith, I don't really believe it. And yeah, so it, there's a lot of folks like who are functional atheists. They might say they believe in God, but they do not live as if God really exists, is sovereign, has a will. Like, right? I mean, that's what we're getting at. When you say it's the mother of them all, like, this is core. This, this is core. When you, when you read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, um, he never once tells us what to believe, which is interesting, because that's what we spend a lot of time doing. He spends all of his time saying, assuming belief and saying, here's what you do. You do this, you do this, you do this, you live like this, you live like this, you live like this. And um, and I think in the pendulum swing of grace and work, sometimes our grace pendulum swing swings all the way over as if um, um, works has nothing to do with it. Well, of course, works has nothing to do with purchasing our salvation, but works has everything to do with verifying our salvation. And um, and so it's it's not. Yeah, it's it's an in, entirely different idea that is is not lost on the western i mean on the global church um i i can think carmen i one time i was with a, a pastor and uh he was a he spent most of his life in in he was from vietnam he lives in vietnam he ministered in vietnam um he spent most of his adult life in prison for his faith um he he was pastoring a network of 25,000 uh, not sorry, 2,500 um, cell groups that were in the most persecuted part of Vietnam. And um, and I was with him with four other pastors. And we were just, you know, I was trying to learn from them. And one of my, my, my fellow pastors who pastors a church, a large church, that I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm sure 95% of the people in his church were saved if we use that word before they came to his church they were you know they just because he was the 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 thing and um and he was very critical and he kept asking us a question about how this decentralized idea of a church can work and um and the the poor vietnamese pastor answered his question in broken english um four or five times he kept pressing like i don't understand how you can ensure orthodoxy in such a decentralized idea and finally, the Vietnamese pastor, exasperated, says, look, um, this is what we do. We open our Bible. We read the verse. 
we do not read the next verse until we all do this verse. Hmm. And I thought, okay, it's that simple, isn't it? Hmm. We do not read the next verse until we do what this verse um, instructs us to do. This is mm-hmm. this is an obedience. This is a Bible obeying conversation. There's a difference between giving intellectual assent to something, Bible believing, uh, or claiming to believe it in that way, uh, intellectual assent, and Bible obeying. When we talk about obedience, um, if you're listening right now, you know we've been having the obedience conversation. Uh, Dave Buring talks about obedience being the engine of transformation. Uh, there's this process from revelation through the through obedience to transformation. Um, you're not going to experience transformation if you're not obedient to what God has revealed. These conversations are like, you know, everybody's uh, saying the same thing now. We're just saying it in, in slightly different ways. So are you hearing it? And how are you hearing it? We'd love to hear your feedback and engage with you. You can text us 877-933-2484. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Christofferson. The book is Once You See, it's literally a novel approach, uh, The Seven Temptations of the Western Church. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 2023 is almost in the books. We're about to turn the page to 2024. And as we do so, what kind of plans are you making to be in the Bible every day? Every day I ask, where in the Word are you today? Which implies that I wholeheartedly believe that you and I need to be in the Word of God every day. If you don't make a plan to do it, you're not going to do it. So I want to invite you into our Bible in a Year reading plan available right now at MyFaithRadio.com. You always say you want to do it. This year, Let's commit together to spending time every single day in the Word of God so that every day you'll have an answer to the question, where in the Word are you today? The Word of God will be getting into you before you get out there into the world that God so loves. So get your Bible in a Year plan now at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Jeff Christofferson. The book is Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church. It is a novel. I highly recommend it. Um, We've been talking today about the first of the seven temptations, philosophicalism. Do you just give intellectual assent to um, a belief system that you call Christianity, or are you actually like on your knees and then on your feet? obediently following in the way of Jesus, walking in the way of Jesus. Um, Do you live what you say you, quote unquote, believe? Is it an obedience-driven reality? Um, So uh, we've been talking about belief being a verb, not a noun. Jeff, maybe you could give us a real-world example um, of what you're talking about. I love the example of the Vietnamese pastor you know, we don't read the next verse until we have obediently done what what the verse we've just read says. Um, can you maybe give us a story to help flesh out what enacted faith looks like in the reality of the world today? Yeah, I mean, one of the things perhaps is um, is in the area of spiritual gifts. Let me. We, there's so many ways I can go. That was the first one that came to my mind. Um, so in our evangelical subculture in the last 30 years, 40 years, we made a sort of a big deal on spiritual gifts and, in, and it's kind of a cottage industry even. And, um, and so we, we, um, 
we take a test and we uh, answer a series of questions like in situation one, would I more likely A, B, or C? And I circle in C. And I do this 199 more times. And then uh, I press submit. And, you know, lo and behold, I found out that I'm a, I have the spiritual gift of teaching. And, um, and like, oh, that's too bad because I'm a teacher. And, um, and I was hoping for something else. Or I found out the spiritual gift of administration. Oh, it's too bad because I'm an accountant. I was hoping for something else. And, um, and, and what we have really done in that, in that case is we've, we have taken our, our comfort zone and we've spiritualized it and said, you know, this is, this is a spiritual gift and, uh, and you need to now sort of operate in your comfort zone in the area that you think that you're, um, you know, that, 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 that is your gift. And I think what we understand in Scripture is if we're obedient to our understanding of Scripture, we understand that spiritual gifts are not um, something that we're innate. It's not something that we're born with. It's not something that's part of my personality. It's something, it's a gift that God gives us. And we experience these gifts in obedience. So when we sense, you know, those moments when you know that you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, go take that walk over there and do that thing or say that thing or whatever it is and um and your heart is absolutely terrified because the meta narrative of scripture is weakness um from beginning to end the 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 major theme of of the kingdom of god is weakness even jesus illustrations of the kingdom of god is weakness yeast and mustard seeds and small things when we when we take that that step of faith and um and in our weakness way out of our comfort zone we we walk we see god do something and then we um go wow that was crazy and then we do it again and and again and we start to make correlations at that point saying you know what i discovered that my through obedience uh, my experience of god is not anything uh i mean the power that i get to experience in god is is related to my obedience to what the holy spirit is saying uh, i don't experience god's power through my strength i don't experience god's power through um my comfort zone i really experience god's power through my weakness and my uncomfortable uncomfortable space and um and so our we we've conditioned people you know okay believe these things okay they're easy because they stay between our ears and um and do these things oh well okay i can do them because i'm really good at them and we actually miss the 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 the, the incredible journey that God wants us to take with him in weakness. Yeah, if you're wondering why you're not experiencing God's power, it's possible that, um, you know, you've you've tested yourself into a place where you believe that the spiritual gift you have is actually just something you're already um, educated and formed to do by the patterns of this world, not um, what God has actually given you the gift of doing, on his behalf, by his power alone, in the world that he so loves to advance the gospel in this generation. There's a huge difference, and that's what you're pointing out, and I appreciate that. Um, if you're listening right now, and you're saying to yourself, I wonder how I would, um, I wonder how I would begin to measure such a thing. Um, I wonder how, um, I wonder what a healthy body 
of Bible-believing and Bible-obeying people. I wonder what that would even look like. I wonder what it would look like in my own life. Um, Jeff, are there some, I don't know, benchmarks, pictures, ways of measuring what we're describing here, this sort of every day, every moment-by-moment cooperating with the Holy Spirit, obedience to God? Um, I don't know of a tool or anything like that. But um, because it's not it's not as easily quantified, you can't put it on a list like our our systematic theologies that we kind of tend to subscribe to are actually a reaction 500 years ago to, you know, uh, in the Reformation to, you know, ways we're not Catholic. <laughs> and um, and so we we categorize those and we say, you know, how do you measure up on those on those areas as evangelicals? Mm-hmm. And um that's not what we're talking about. The uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I think is probably the best test. <laughs> or, am I on the altar as a living sacrifice? I don't care. You know, Pastor, I, I really, really worshipped this Sunday. Uh, it was incredible, the music I really worshipped. And then you leave as soon as the feeling's gone and you're exactly the same. You probably really didn't worship. You probably had an, an emotional experience. You really, really worshipped when you left that place and repatterned your life as on the altar. And um, and so it is. It be, it's a radicalization. I know a church in Berkeley, California, that every time I visit it, I go, "Am I even saved?" <laughs> to see the level of um, obedience that, that this church is asking of of their people, and um, it, it, it's such a difference. <laughs> Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, good test. Um, I think Ephesians 4 is a good test, particularly mm. when you talk about, like, can I even move to the next verse? Can I, <laughs> right? Can I even move um, to the next verse? Um, I'm, you know, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, um, for we are all members of, of one another. I mean, that's verse 25. You can't, like, if you, you can't move to verse 26 about don't, don't let the sun, you know, go down on your anger and don't in your anger, don't sin. Right. Um, right. You can't move to that if you're already not doing what verse 25 talks Like if you're not already putting off falsehood, if you're not already speaking truthfully to your neighbor and and living as a member of one body, you know, as if this is a body like. Right. So it I love the test of not moving to the next verse. Like that is a good test, um, particularly when, particularly when we, you know, sort of enjoy reading large passages of scripture and then looking for the one thing that satisfies us. <laughs> and so um, I'm just so grateful and thankful for you and for your willingness to consider um, and then write about and then talk about these things um, so that we can be led to become genuinely faithful followers. I mean, I, I want to be a real Christian. I don't want to be a fake Christian. I want to be a genuine follower of Jesus. I don't want to, I do not want the day to arrive and him say, who are you? I, I didn't know you. Like, I don't want that. I want him to be like, oh, hey, um, thanks for, you know, thanks for cooperating with my Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, I, I, I see in love um, the ways in which you operated as my extension of grace into the world that I so love. Um, you know, welcome home. That's what I want to hear. Um, and so, um, yeah, so thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Um, and I look forward to our future conversations. Jeff, it's just a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. It's wonderful to be with you again.
Jeff Christofferson, the book is Once You See Seven Temptations of the Western Church. Some days you feel like you are running out of time, but you're just getting into the day. So you got plenty of time. So take a deep breath and consider the goodness of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Breathe deeply of the things of the Lord today. Let go of the things that you cannot control. Um, Speak peace over people in your life who um, are, well, you know, this time of year, just all wound up and maybe difficult to deal with. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to come before the Lord with you and to lift one another up in times of prayer. And so take a deep breath today. Lift up a prayer for Faith Radio. Lift up a prayer for me. I'll lift up a prayer for you. I'm very much looking forward to um, the opportunity to explore the Word of God together and walk together in discipleship in the new year. So I'll be praying toward that, and you be praying toward that too. Have a great day, and God bless. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.